I was chatting with a with uh I'm more I, I I you know my approach to this is like I love to go the philosophical route. Like that's yeah. where I find I can like find a find not a niche, but yeah. you know, let's say someone went to you, went to me, and went to a bunch of other specialists in the yeah. space, and yeah. we all said the exact same thing. Of course, that wouldn't be that would not be a valuable market in any way. Mm -hmm. So it's like mm -hmm. I try to I don't even think I'm I think I'm compelled to kind of go the philosophical route. And and one thing I've been stirring over uh, is <clears throat> people, you know, people will say, I've had this come up a lot lately, will say, well, what do I do when I get back to the bench or I get back to the sidelines and I just had a terrible shift or a terrible, you know, first half, first period, first quarter, whatever it is. Like, how do how do I move on from those emotions and those feelings in that moment? And I. Right. And, you know, yes, there's the, you know, the physiological, you know, the breathing and the, mm -hmm. the you know shifting attention those are those and as great as those are and the data you have on those it's still mm -hmm. you know you put yourself in those shoes and i know you talk of you've talked about it before yeah. the, the the effect that those feelings have override mm -hmm. any you know plug-in tactic that you're going to try and drop in and yeah. and that's where my philosophical you know it's possible but it's difficult and so that's where my kind of the philosophical side would be like no different than than you knowing going into this book launch yeah. there's going to be tons of things outside of my control yeah. things are going to mess up there's good mistakes yeah. are going to happen so when i look at this greater story of, of of athletes in sport i'd love like i feel like the assumption going in is not that yeah the assumption yeah. is not hey there's going to be a ton of things outside of my control and in fact a lot of things are going to go really bad and there's yeah. going to be mistakes and errors it's like a script that's, that's not even real it's like hey it's going to be smooth sailing you know olympics is right around the corner the nhl is right there don't worry yeah. boopity boop you're going to be yeah. there soon yeah. and then everything contradicts that i don't yeah. know i don't know i'd love to hear your approach to that yeah but no i love that I, yeah. yeah it's the realism of the and, and that's what like people have been in it. it's like no it doesn't like you know even connor mcdavid his path wasn't a straight easy fun yellow brick road like there's so many adversities and challenges that you don't see from the outside. And, and, and his is probably more of the exception than the norm too, just to be mm -hmm. clear. Like, Oh yeah. This is very much, but like how much, you know, other pressures and internal things and challenges has he, he there's still a lot he's going through, let alone, you know, no one's going to have this perfect yellow brick road. And so, you know, we call it coping planning, but it's like planning to cope like, let's look at what could not go well and be prepared for how we're going to deal with it. Like I was just doing this with a goalie a couple of weeks ago, just around like, you know, his team's not as good. So it's going to get more goals against. I'm like, we can pretend and hope that your mindset's going to like lead to low goals against every game, but it's not, we know there's going to be another game. So how are you going to deal with it when the fourth or fifth goal goes in? Like, cause it's going to happen. Like it's high scoring league. Like, right. So it's like, um, and your team's not as defensively sound, like you're just getting like breakaways and two and ones all day. Like you can play great and letting five goals, six goals. So like how, like, it's like, Oh, I can deal with two, three. I can, I can accept that. But the four, five, no, no, you can deal with that too. But, um, and then it goes to like one of my favorite questions too. Or, and, and the answer, which alluded to the first question you said, like, Oh, how do I deal with it in the moment? Best way to deal with it in the moment is to deal with it before the moment, <laughs> like plan to like, Hey, what could go not my way? And I might feel these ways. And how will I deal with it? 
Now you're prepared. It's like studying for a test. Do you study during or do you study before the test? And then you're a lot more fluid. And even if it's an open book test, like study before, <laughs> like which is, um, so I kind of like, like to process it that way. And to your point around um, the thing I always press and we do in our reset routine is acceptance is like, to me, the thing and you talk about um, philosophical and theoretical the idea of acceptance is to me key when like stuff's not going away. How can you embrace it, accept it, own it, um, and then learn from it and move forward? And that's the hardest part. The, all the breathing yeah. and knowing what you want to do and commit to is great and it helps, but it doesn't work that well if you can't process and untangle the stuff. Another another fun right. one, and I think you'll like this. I, I, I came up with this recently around you know, mindset, mental game, you know, one of the criticisms is like some people will think, oh, you think everything's mindset and you just need to take action. And like that kind of like philosophical, like debate, because like, well, when you take action, then your mindset's better. And it's true. So like, I don't know, like, I'll just, you know, for fun, I'll say like, okay, yeah, 80 to 90% of mindset mental game is just about taking action. But to say it's 100% is ridiculous because sometimes and often there's this 20 to 10% where there's these inner thoughts and feelings that are tangled and are preventing you from taking the deliberate or full action that you need. So then we need to be able to untangle that. And we need to know how to untangle and accept and deal with the inner doubts or feelings and frustrations. And so, and so that's what we do. That makes sense. Like that's what we, we help deal with this. And then as we untangle that, now you can start taking action again. And once you start taking action, you go out there, you play your game, you do the work, you prepare, like that fuels your mindset and, and momentum. But then sometimes the, they get tangled up again. We want to keep this, you know, this area over here, which is just, you know, figment of my imagination right now, but this, um, you know, untangling yeah. that I think is so important. And a lot of people that are good at taking action don't get that because they're just action takers. And because they're action takers, they don't get too much of this noise because they're consistently taking action. And then some people that then don't always take action and get caught up in this, they can't relate to that. Like, right. Like the average coach, let's just say like a hockey coach, they're like, well, wh like, what do you mean? You got a confidence problem. Like, what do you, like, what do you mean? Like, you like, you just like, just go out there and do it. Like, cause they're just a doer and they don't get how to help somebody and they don't have the empathy to understand and help them deal with these little thoughts and emotions little is probably not the right word but <laughs> these thoughts and emotions that are very real and if we can just untangle them just a little bit now they can take action now they can start building momentum and so it doesn't have to be super complicated but it's also not um you know super easy all the time where it's just like well just take action like just no excuses just take action like i hear that like you hear that in the in the world sometimes like the people that are kind of like anti-sports psych and mindset stuff they're like oh who yeah. needs that like just just go and do it like it's like oh you're you're missing that it's again because i'll i'll play to that i'll be like yeah no it's 80 90 action it is like because then once you take action it fuels itself it fuels your mindset you're building momentum all these things but like sometimes this starts to stir up and like i just had like a, a pro athlete uh top guy in basketball in in europe and she's had like a long career and generally non-issue he's been going yeah. he's climbing the ranks now all of a sudden there's a little bit of tangle going on mm -hmm. and he's like i don't know how to untangle this i don't know how to deal with this 
Um, and it's the acceptance piece is a big part of it. And there's other things and, and, and we want to like help him keep untangling it. And even as he's starting to, now he can take action better. He's starting to build and go back in the right momentum, but he's finally realizing, Oh yeah, this is a thing that I don't just do on my own. And I generally have a good mindset. Like, Hey, I can get some guidance on this and get into the philosophical and the theoretical things to understand this little 10 to 20% that that makes a huge impact on everything else. And so, um, yeah. So anyways, I, th I thought you liked that because it's kind of like, I'm not definitely not trying to downplay what we do, but it's because I think it's huge. It's just like, hey, it's just a little bit. Think a little bit differently, you know, train your mind a little bit and have somebody to untangle and deal with the the acceptance or the feelings. And wow, that like that can be a difference maker. And again, do it before, not doing it during. It's like it's it's a lot harder to do during if you haven't trained before. It's like. Now, if we can train our mind how to untangle it, we like, it's not like, oh, you have to call me mid game to untangle it for you. <laughs> like it's, I'm like showing, giving them, being a mirror, helping people learn to untangle it themselves. So if it starts to get, you know, their mindset's getting caught up again, they can untangle it mid game, right? Uh, mid performance. So yeah, I went on a rant there in a bunch of different directions, but. No, I love it. And that's, <clears throat> I was, I was, I've got bunch of notes in front of me and you you covered so many awesome points i the the one piece i would love to go into is like if someone because it sounds that sounds i like the way you summarized that that it's like okay 90 80 beautiful it's tangible now i can work with that okay so i know that my action is going to be very important here but you bring up an incredible point because we're we're also in a world where we sell this this dream to so many people but i but i always say you know, you can sharpen tools and I don't mean to be a pessimist. I just, it, it, to be a realist as well, you can sharpen tools, but you can't make, it's hard, really hard to make tools. Mm. And, and I, I say that as kind of a, a caveat. So this ACT acceptance, I'm going to, I'm going to bring in the psychotherapeutic yeah. side kind of to the, you know, acceptance and commitment. And I had this conversation with, with my um, uh, supervisor and I said, the one thing that I don't love is this classic saying of, you know, it's okay not to be okay. It's okay not to be okay. Yeah. And she, yeah. and I said, the reason I, I mean, this was my, this was my kind of blind spot and yeah. she, and she su summarized it for me, but I, or sorry, cleared it up for me. And I just said, I, that doesn't sit with me well because I see, you know, we're seeing now it's, it's not okay that a, a brain surgeon isn't okay when they go in to do surgery. It's not okay that a police officer or a firefighter or a teacher is not okay, given the impact that that would have on society over time, right? Acutely. Yeah. We have bad days, whatever, mm -hmm. but that's what didn't sit right with me. And she said, she said, Ben, what if you looked at it this way? It's not actually accepting and being okay with, with where you're at and saying, everything's fine. I don't need to do anything, but it's actually coming to terms with, okay, I'm here. I'm here right now. I'm I have an addiction or I'm not I'm stuck in my head or my game isn't where I want it to be. But until we actually go there, it's like trying to find your way to okay, I need to go find the holiday in. I'm in I'm in just, you know, I just arrived, I just flew into Philadelphia. I've never been here. I need to find the holiday inn or the hotel. I have no idea where I am. I know where the hotel is, but I have no idea where I am. So how am I gonna mm -hmm. get there? And so it's like it's so profound what you're saying because you have all these people with these and i love the way you said it when we first chatted you're like there's a lot of you want to get there and there's not that many spots <laughs> and you said that like this kind of facetiously and i love the way you said that because it was so real it's like hey a lot of you want to get to the nhl there's only 550 spots and there's millions of you so 
mm-hmm. right? And so, but I, I'll come back. I don't kind of go on all over on this acceptance piece you talked about. It's it's so powerful to become, and I I didn't do this. I, I I've learned this as of late. I wish I knew this earlier. Uh, because I jumped, I'll give a little insight into my story. After my injury, when I came back to play, I just worked out as hard as possible. I was lift, like I even came back one summer, the year before I returned to play. My assumption was if I'm bigger and stronger and the strongest person there, I'm going to be safe. Hmm. And and that was kind of makes sense given what I went through, I think. It's like, okay, if I'm big and strong and I played like 15 pounds overweight, like I was 215 when I was playing. It was ridiculous, ridiculous. I should have been playing at 198, 200. Yeah, yeah. And, but I was like loading up the bar, like loading it up. <laughs> and, and I'm going to use myself as the example here. And I remember in the summer in our, in our exit meetings and spotter, uh, spotter was like, you know, maybe some more time on the ice, maybe some more time working on skills <laughs> and, and the actual game, maybe instead of putting, you know, front squatting ridiculous amounts of weight. And, yeah. but, but it plays into how powerful this is. I was, I was almost lying to myself that, okay, I could I could front squat six plates. Well, unfortunately, in the context of hockey, and also if you look at the big picture and you're present enough to do that, where the game's going with speed and skill and et cetera, that was just starting as I was, my career was winding down. And it's like that acceptance piece to know where you are and then know where to go. Now that 80 to 90% that is action becomes even more effective and powerful as opposed to just to your point just action without and so that that makes that 10 percent and that conversation that someone would have with you to your point untangle so unbelievably important like if i could go back now and use this approach that you're talking about which is Mm -hmm. brilliant it'd be okay ben maybe not six days at the gym maybe it's three days at the gym Mm -hmm. and maybe it's also training a little differently Mm -hmm. and then what are we doing with those other two to three days now and then here's where I bring in the, the the life values, identity, progress. Now you actually are moving towards where you want to go. And that comes back to this ACT lens of like acceptance, commitment, commitment to what? To actually improve or are you just committing to working harder? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, and I, I brought this up in our previous conversation, like the, the obsession with just working harder and harder and harder. Yeah. Like, yeah. okay, well. And so anyways, that's, that's my, that's what came to no. my mind. I'm like, that is the untangling piece is, is genius. I think that's uh, awesome. I want to jam on that quick because, um, I, I have to do this a lot. Like, cause that, that word acceptance to me, I think is so crucial. It's just so misunderstood by people and you, you hit it right on the head where people think it means to tolerate, you know, the situation that you're in. Right. And, um, and to like, oh, well, it's like a weakness and you don't care and it's laissez-faire. And it's like, no, no, that's not like, we're not saying to tolerate poor performance and like give up hope and not have ambition or those things. It's about, you know, I I, I say these words a lot, like owning the situation, owning the reality, like see the reality. Like that's what acceptance is. It's like versus like we talked about at the beginning or like you were alluding to with all the hockey players, like having the fantasy, like living in a fantasy world, like that's not acceptance. Like it's, and, and again, and then I do this with athletes often too. Sometimes it's not good to overly be realistic because then you don't have that belief in yourself and the motivation and you don't push your comfort zone and push yourself. And a really good interview with Ryan LaVarnway, who, you know, won the world series and stuff. Great baseball story and he's speaker now and stuff, but uh, it talks a lot about that. But I, I think 
that distinction that's like, no, acceptance is going to help you better commit. Acceptance is just about seeing things for what it is and owning it so that you can move forward versus living in a fantasy world and and constantly in this need to, have to, should, judgmental mindset. And I think to your point around it's okay not to be okay, um, I agree with like, hey, it's okay to accept where you are, right? To accept that you're struggling or facing a challenge or doubting. One of the things that I think is problematic is judgmental language, right? And like, in like you know, and it's the idea like in that sentence, it says not okay, like, like you're down and out, like you're feeling sad, you're anxious, whatever. Like, is it all? Oh, oh, I'm in such a bad situation, and then you start labeling it as that, and that kind of feeds that, and it kind of creates this own narrative and all kinds of problems. And and like I'll just use a an athlete example from a performance setting, not mental illness, but from a performance. It's like, yeah, I'm overthinking. Like I'm at thirty percent in the zone. Like I am in my head. Is that bad? Is it high? Is it low? Like it's just it's just a number. It's just where you are to your point. Now, where do you want to go? And, um, but we got to own it. And if you, we don't own it, then, you know, and, and to your point, the other thing around people that don't sometimes have acceptance, it's not just fantasies, but they're being ignorant. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, no, mm -hmm. it's like the solution's easy. I just got to work out. And like, we're ignoring the, the facts. Like <laughs> The facts are like Spotter said, like get on the ice a little more. <laughs> yeah. Hey, don't shy away. You can use me. Use yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just Texas Spotter too. I sent them some <laughs> of my books. So, um, but uh, yeah, so it's um yeah I, I so i think the judgment is a is a big piece that and then and what's funny about mindset like you think of you know mental game stuff a lot of times we're trying to get people to stop judging things like don't judge your performance like it's good bad right wrong it's just hey that's the result accept it own it move forward do your best learn and grow like so it's this less black and white kind of judgment that creates these emotional charges of, and then there's like fantasies and fears. It's like, no, just see it for what it is, own it, keep moving forward, enjoy the journey. Um, there doesn't have to be these emotionally charged things, but then people will like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do that. But then they start judging their mindset. Oh, I've got a good mindset. I've got a bad mind. It's like, oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> now we're going to untangle that. Right. Like, right. Um, and we'll see a lot of people. I use this it was very common. They start working on their mindset. They start looking at this stuff or reading or doing work. And then they get caught in the, I call the perfect mindset trap. And they're like, oh, I made a mental mistake out there. And I I was overthinking. I'm like, I'm doubting myself. And then they start beating themselves up because they're doubting themselves. I was like, no, now, you, now because you made a mental mistake, instead of just being like, oh, let me learn from that and own it, own it, accept it, not judge it, just see it for what it is. You're human and learn from it and grow. They're like, oh, I'm an idiot. Come on. What's wrong with me? Like, I gotta have to be better. I need to accept like you know, all this stuff. It's like, no, anytime you get in this need to have to should language, we're going to judgment. You're going to get overthinking and, and cause all this. It's it's not going to create the solution. It's going to create generally more problems. And so, um, no, I loved how you, you tease that out. Cause it's very common. Someone's like acceptance. Like, ah, like, ah, ah, like I get it, but I don't get it. Like, right. <laughs> right? right. And so the more we can help people tease that out, um, and understand it. And it's a superpower. I, I, that's one of my favorite lines. It's if you can really get and use acceptance effectively, it's a, it's a superpower. That's what the high performers do in all areas of life. They can accept and let go so that they can commit fully and take that action. 
And so well, some people, sometimes all of a sudden you hit a bump and it becomes hard to use and understand acceptance, especially if you don't have the, the language around and the understanding or the perspective, because our culture is teaching people what? To not accept, to, oh, that can't happen, need to win, must win games, have to, need, like they're just using the language that, you know, kind of thinks then acceptance is a bad thing. And oh, I can't accept like, and, and all the, this is one of the things that always, you know, chaps my ass a little bit all the motivational videos. You just got to want it. Like you, like you got to breathe <laughs> like all the, like the, the try mm -hmm. harder stuff. And it's like, it's just yeah. about effort and trying hard. And you just got to be so motivated and wake up at 4am and do ice baths. And like, that's success. Like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Those, those, those things matter. Like, but that's again, just take action, just oversimplifying it. And it is a big part, but what about this, you know, the, the harder things to see and understand and, and untangling that's that other 10 to 20% that can unlock and your ability to then do these things. And I loved your analogy too. And I'll, the last thing I'll spitball on sharpening tools versus making tools. And, you know, and I used to say this, so someone was asking about the book and like, you know, what I want for people. It's like, like, if you don't have the capabilities, like, <laughs> like if you don't have the, you don't have the tool, like it's not going to work. Like you gotta, like, there's no, shortcut to success but if you've got your capabilities like the hope and of you know working on your mindset your mental game or the book and these things is like well now you can at least perform close or at your capabilities and instead of it your mindset being the thing that holds you back that 10 to 20 percent that you haven't untangled that you know is, is holding back you from actually performing at your capabilities but it's not like oh i went and worked on my mindset and now i'm a superstar like no if you can't shoot you're not fast like it can't give you the tools you gotta like it takes work to build the tool set you gotta get in the gym you gotta get on the ice like these things you know you gotta go to um, med school and practice and, and these things be great at a craft and a skill and build the tools but then you gotta keep the tool sharp and you gotta be able to use the tool without being hindered by these little things and so it's unlocking that and, and clearing so you can can take the action so um it's yeah it's a great way to look at it so no that's a fun discussion for sure yeah i've got like this is i'm looking at the time i'm like oh my god do we have three more hours like this is <laughs> this is awesome it i want to i i love this i'm just gonna throw stuff out there and then let yeah. you uh you freewheel because this is yeah. so cool the when you bring up the ignorance concept Mm. Um, you know, the perfect mindset concept, so many things come up and I just want to touch on two pieces to that. Like I, I, the, the perfect mindset piece. And I, and if, for people that are listening, like this, I'm not just making this up. Like you just watch the leading sport documentaries on Netflix right now, mm. you know, the tennis, golf, football, formula one, like you've got they're they're, it seems very authentic. Like, mm. and the one, the most powerful thing I took away from these documentaries is you've got what, okay, maybe not the top athlete in the world, but you have top multiple top 10 mm. athletes on the face of the earth currently at, in these sports and they'll mm. win. And then they'll come down, you know, how they sit down, they got the cool camera, they plop in mm. front of the screen. <laughs> it's super cool. And they look at the camera and they, they'll look right at the camera and say, I didn't think I could do it. And so that you know goes into a whole nother conversation. We're selling yeah. this perfect mindset, yeah. Right to your point, I think that's so profound for these young, yeah. young all athletes. I get caught yeah. in it too. It's like I wake up and it's like, oh shoot, I don't like this morning. Like full transparency, I wake up this morning. I'm there's boxes everywhere. Everything's ridiculous <laughs> here. It's like 
I need to be my best for Cassidy today. Like he's a stud. Like I need to be, why am I not super excited? Oh my gosh. I'm not super excited for this podcast. I don't feel like I'm, I'm fully, fully charged. Oh my God. I'm not, I don't have that perfect mindset. So now there's two problems that you said. I think that's so smart. It's like, now there's the problem that I'm not super energized. And then the problem that I have to find that energy and that mindset. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm creating problems versus just saying, Okay, I don't feel great today. I don't have the best energy today. I've got 40 things on my mind. Now, now what's the, what, what do I do? And I've yeah. got an, I've got a couple ideas in my mind, but I'm going to hand it over to you. So if, a, if an athlete's like that, if, if whether yeah. a doctor, whatever, it's like, oh, oh, I don't have the perfect mindset. What would be, what would, where would you go with, with someone in, in that situation? What would be your opinion of like, okay, that perfect mindset is not there. Maybe it's not there for a month. What, yeah. what is the, what is the play? Do you think? Yeah. So great. Great question. I would play it um, in a couple ways. First, my goal and intention with anybody is always to help them get into the best mindset they can have in the short term, meaning, um, and I call it 95% plus because it's like, so it's like, hey, like, you know, you doing the podcast or an athlete going out on the ice or, or their field of play my goal is to get you into 95% plus like fully trusting yourself in the moment, et cetera, not a hundred percent because that creates perfection. But so I make it kind of tangible and measurable. And so like, and then our goal is to get them there as quick as possible. Right. Is that going to be a week? Is it two weeks? Is it three weeks? Because it depends where they're starting from too. And the situation they're in Mm -hmm. and the environment they're in. But let's say someone's starting is pretty common, like 50, 60, 40, you know, it's kind of common ranges when somebody, especially like, seeking one-on-one but it could be sometimes even higher i've had but it's like okay well like often they'll jump from 60 to 85 like pretty quick they get some acceptance they start untangling it and they set the intention to be like well i just want to like like again just own it where you're is this bad is 60 bad no it's just where you are all right where are we going let's get it up how are we going to get it up you know reset routine alter ego acceptance you know this perspective we start untangling things like bam gets it up to 85 okay well let's not settle there how do we get to 95? Something's still not untangled. Let's just keep working at it. Then what's interesting, okay, we get to 95. And then the days it slips, like maybe yesterday you're at 95 and then it's like, oh, today extra boxes. Like, oh man, like a drop in 85. Okay, well, let's learn from that. And let's also be adaptable because what's 95 today and this week might not be a 95 in two months from now. It's going to change. And what you need to do to get to there, it's constantly evolving. The environment's changing, your mindset. And my hope and intent is how deep and meaningful the 95 is now is probably deeper and stronger. Like a 95 today might not be a 95 in three months from now. That's just like, it's not good enough now. Like, right. So it's this constantly evolving thing. There's, there's, it's never like, oh, I've perfected my mindset in the mental game. I don't have to work on it anymore. What the, (laughs) it's like, like you could get something you keep working on and you keep refining, stay sharp. It doesn't need endless hours every day of work. It's, but it's the little things. It's the self-reflection and awareness and very much like you think growth mindset, literature, Carol Dweck treating your mindset as a like with a growth mindset <laughs> how you work on your mindset your ability to trust yourself confidence um show up so it's something that's constantly learning and growing and one of the things i threw in there pretty quick and i want to come back to is the word adaptable because again in high performance a lot of people don't embrace that trait you know a lot they're like no I'm not adaptable. I am hard. Like I go, I'm a work workhorse and like I stick to it and I'm relentless. Sometimes we need to adapt. And that was something 
I struggled with a lot as an athlete. Like, and you're kind of relating to a bit when you said like the workouts versus going on. It's like, oh, maybe I should adapt my training plan. <laughs> like, so, right. And I was just like, I got to adapt, you know, how I approach things or how I'm thinking about things. And hey, like, you know, things aren't uh, ideal today. Well, let me be adaptable and make the most out of it and see if I can still get a 95 instead of coming up with excuses. Like you don't, things don't have to be great. And all of a sudden like, this might be the best podcast you ever do. Like, who knows? Like all of a sudden things flow. Like it's, I've had, I use it in the book. Sometimes I like, I had a, a game where I had a exam. So I had no pregame warm-up or anything. Didn't even get on the ice. Like, and just, and I won a great game. I was like, and a lot of times people are like, Oh, when the warm-up's not good. It's like, like the things you do before don't always dictate the thing. Obviously, ideally, we want to be well prepared and have things, you know, and have a good sequence leading up to the event to perform and do want to have ideal mental preparation patterns, but they don't aren't in directly causation. There's more like correlation there. And so, um, because what really matters is can you flip that switch? Can you just dive in and engage and get after it and be in the moment and be adaptable um to your environment? And the now the things we do leading up to it certainly help with that and that's the point of routines and these different things so it's not like oh yeah i was like i even asked i was like maybe i should stop coming to warm up it's a good point you know what's yeah. a it's a good point i have that conversation and i yeah. i do i i'm as i go into what i'm about to say i do not mean to pathologize this but even the way you said that like i went in not feeling good not energized yeah. Yeah. No different than what's happening right now. I came in like, oh, I wish I was at a 95 or a 97. I'm at like an 80 today. Okay. Yeah. You know, you shift to your objectives and what this yeah. is all about and, and like the things you talk about. And we're now we're, we're buzzing and it's like, I yeah. couldn't be in a better place. Yeah. But the, 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 the preparation piece, you know, if you look at, and I, again, not to pathologize, but you look at like an obsessive behavior versus a behavior that's in control and you're what they're very different, right? Like I have to tie my left skate first as a, as a way to avoid failure is, is problematic. I have to tie my left skate because that gets me excited. And that's what I've done since, you know, dad showed me or mom showed me when I was four years old and that's powerful to me. And I, I'm in control of it. Those yeah. are two very different relationships with those behaviors that tie into what you and I've talked about before too, which is this failure avoidance world yeah. that it, that has seemed to just take taken over. I mean, maybe, maybe it's always been around, but this <laughs> have to, or else, right. I had a, a, a young client yesterday I was talking about well I hope I play well in the all-star game like I hope <laughs> I hope I play well and it's like you're this this client's an absolute stud and it's like I'm just thinking this this world of failure avoidance then you're you know, you're on a call with another client and it's like yeah I just don't you know it's a big opportunity I don't want to screw this up and so you could see how how behaviors naturally become sources of of security that, that if you look at them a little deeper are actually kind of problematic. It's like, now it's become, I have to do this behavior so that I can continue to hang on this cliff of, of, uh, of failure avoidance. And like, just mm -hmm. hang on, make the good pass. Come on, just get, get off the ice or get off the, the field. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that, I don't know if you, if you've, uh, or how you would, you would work in that space. Uh, but I just find I, when you brought that up, it's like, I started the game. I didn't even feel good. I ended up playing amazing. Yeah, but yeah. being aware of those behaviors that we're looking at as as security blankets, sort of thing. Yeah, no, for sure. I like to use the routines versus superstitions for the pregame stuff. It's like, yeah, I don't encourage superstitions because that's like, oh, well, I'm screwed if I don't do it. No, that's not true. <laughs> like, but you can have routines. Routines are great. Like, so it makes put you on autopilot, so you can just relax and be in the like, and then and activate things and 
um, and get comfortable and, and whatever. So you can, and, but then sometimes it's good to shake up your routines, right? Like I shook up my routine. It actually helped me like, all right, that's like, I, sometimes you get complacent in them. Like you got to get yourself um, going. So, um, you know, that's one thing. And then to the fear avoidance thing, I think is just so huge because that the superstitions play into that. And, um, you know, as a society and, and you know, I'm, you know, this stuff and, and it's pretty out there around, like, you know, it's a survival mechanism, right? Like we're designed to, you know, focus more and, you know, want to not die <laughs> like from, a, yeah, you know, yeah. like, a you know, like, uh, looking back at our, you know, thousands of years, like, it's like, no, I just, I don't want to screw up and die and eat the wrong berries or get killed by the lion. Like that's naturally, you know, stronger, you know, in our brains for good reason. But we're not talking about that stuff when we're talking about going out on the ice and performing or going to sport or in these high performance situations, we're talking about thriving and maximizing impact. And so we need to constantly be aware of that pull towards this and be able to accept and let it go and commit back to this. And it's like, no, what mindset? Be aware of how do you want to show up? Right. And a lot of people is like, cause if they're not aware of it and they kind of do this, they do this and all of a sudden this they get caught up into this. And again, when does that happen? Sometimes it's when they're 15, sometimes it's when they're 10, sometimes it's when they're 25 and they've just, they've got enough momentum, the actions, thing, and then all of a sudden yep. they're like pro and that's big, like, Ooh, <laughs> like, and all of a sudden it gets activated and then they don't know how to get out of it because they haven't really worked on that. And so it's, it's not overly complicated, but go back to that untangling. Like I'm, I'm getting caught in this fear holding on to. That's the thing we got to learn to do and to be a high performer. If you want to go out and probably, I don't know, go and, you know, hunting all the time, like I don't know, <laughs> your lifestyle, but, um, and you'll never get rid of it. And I say this too, like that voice of fear is not inherently a bad thing, right? You go all of a sudden into a dark alleyway and it seems scary. Your voice is like, I don't know, man, I think we should get out of here. It's like, yeah, get out of here. This is not safe. Like, you'll never lose it. It's not a bad voice. It's not, it's not a bad thing to have this fear adverse thing. Like it's what keeps us alive. And we just got to be careful how much we give it all of our attention and feed it and instead be able to feed the other voice and put our attention there and know how to make that shift and be aware that we're doing it. Right. Cause half the time it's like sub, they're not even aware that they're doing it. And all of a sudden it's like, you just shine a light on it. They're like, damn, yeah, I am <laughs> way caught up over here and I don't need to be. I can see that this is not life or death. I can see that it's just the part of being a hockey player means that sometimes I make mistakes and sometimes I make plays and like, but let's own my capabilities and who do I want to be? I want to go maximize my impact today just versus don't screw up. <laughs> like, no, no, I want to, well, I want to impose my will. Yeah. So I, I love that. Would you, would you suggest I love how you say maximizing impact, even if someone, let's say they had a bad first, second period mm -hmm. and they're, so now they're, they're, however you want to articulate this, they're, they're externally and internally right now, not where they want to be, let's say on both, both sides. Yeah. Would you, so there's this idea that, cause here's where I, I'm, I see the common, I think it's in sport. I also think it's in human and just a normal human reaction is like, Hey, I, I, let's say I turn the puck over as an example for, for hockey uh, in the hockey context, I come back to the bench. There's a common response. I lived this. I see this. I don't have a, you know, I don't have a psychological framework necessarily to articulate it, but it's like, now I need to go make up for what I did, mm. which to me is, is I'm, I now am reinforcing the fact that I'm, I'm not 
as as good as I could be. So I'm telling myself I'm not good right now. And then the behavior of having to make up for it is reinforcing that even more. Now I need to make up for what I did, which is a different agenda than we had when we started the started the game, which I'm like, I love how you say maximizing impact. So it's not, hey, go make up for the mistake you made or oh, oh, come on, let's just let's just be good. Let's just be our it's like, okay, we're not where we want to be. Impact. Let's go make impact. Let's go back to what we we do best. I don't know. I just, I'm not sure how you would take that one step further. I just love how, so if someone's at a 60% yeah. internally, externally, would you still suggest it's about the impact piece as opposed oh. to just being okay? Or like, I love the yeah. way you said that. Great question. So the way I look at it and, and here's the common mistake. So let's just say we do start off the game. All right. I'm going to trust myself today. I'm confident. I'm owning my capabilities and I'm going to go maximize my impact. We've got that mental state and then the actions start. And maybe you do make a nice play, but then all of a sudden, whoop, turnover, like misread, whatever it was. Maybe it was a bit of a mental mistake, but then all of a sudden we stop that mindset and we go into the fear-based mindset. We go, well, now I can't screw up again. Well, now what happened? Now you're going to play worse. <laughs> like, And you're more likely to screw up. You're not going to have your impact. You're not going to get... Um, you're, you're not going to build momentum. You're not taking the action. That's the, 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 the You've been tangled now. And, and that's so common. And now you're getting into a downward spiral. And so whether you started the game off in the right place or not, like obviously ideally you do, but then sometimes it's like, hey, start okay. And then start building up momentum or maybe you start okay. And then it starts to slip. It's like, the, and then the way that I look at it is what's the priority, right? And this is like the fundamental thing for me is the priority results and what you're doing or is the priority who you're being, right? And how you see yourself and how you want to show up and your why and the, intrinsic mental state of like where are you at internally and i'm so big that has to be the priority as soon as that's not the priority and it's like yeah yeah okay i want to be i want to have that swagger and all my capabilities in attack mode and i want to be in maximizing impact mode that's who i want to be think and feel but the but the only reason i want to do that is so i get results and or, or that's the main reason. And so my, but my real priority, and then that shifts and this kind of drops, it's still there and they know it and maybe they don't know it often, but their priority is, yeah, but I got to make plays. I can't turn it over. And I got to, I got to like sauce. <laughs> I got to do these things. And I got to get these results. I got, I got, I got to be, I'm playing good. Like you're a guy, the also, I hope I don't screw up. I hope I play good. Uh, prioritizing results. Like that's always the goal and the intent. The goal and intent is to play well, put up points, win game. It's always there. Don't make it the priority because as soon as we make it the priority, I can guarantee your mental state will generally not be as consistent or as great. And so it will suffer. You will feel the weight of the results, the variability of results, the stress, the frustration, the emotional roller coaster that comes with results. It will weigh on your mental state. And if your mental state is getting weighed on and you get entangled, now you're not going to do the action so well and do this. So the flip there is even when you have a great mental state, you'll, and that's the trick, you'll have a great mental state. This won't always work out because the, like, unless you're like in the, you know, should be in the NHL and you're playing minor, like, like unless you're in the wrong league, like, it's like, like you're going to make some mistakes if you're in a good league and you're trying to climb the ranks and push yourself. So if you're going to make mistakes, but if you made a mistake with a decent mental state, learn from it. Don't change your mental state. And now if you made a mistake because your mental state was off and you played a little hesitant, fearful, overthinking, learn from that and try to get your mental state back up, but to where you want it. But to, to your point around, um, 
you know, they, they start to get caught and they go into, oh, well, the results weren't quite there. So now I've got to obsess about the results and try to force myself to get better. Like, oh, we're just creating a problem and we've lost sight of what matters most. To me, what matters most? Who do you want to be? How do you want to play? But the question is, what do I want to achieve? How do I like, what do I got to do? Like, what do people like wrong questions? Who do you want to be? How do you want to show up? That's the priority. That's the number one question to start the game and keep coming back to. And it's like, yeah, no, I did screw up there. Like, that was a mistake. Well, who do I want to be? Well, I still want to keep playing this way. Maybe I won't do a toe drag on a, on a one-on-two against that guy again. Like, I'm going to not do that again. But who I want to be, the swagger is the same. Like, and right. and how I see myself, like, and, and I approach the game, like, that doesn't have to change. So unless you want it to, but because um, maybe it's like, oh, no, I was kind of like hesitating. So yeah, then change it. Like, you know, I'd be intentional about about it but people aren't even most people are not on that wavelength at all we're just so caught up in the results and the doing what am i going to do to get the results and the do results results do it's like they're, they're just completely missing the bigger picture and that's and, again that's the the 20 percent, 10 percent. and you just it's just a little bit man does it have an impact on on the other because if you don't do this right, right and you don't untangle it it can it trips this up and um and so we see it all the time. So that's yeah, a great question. It's I there the so many pieces there are so awesome. Like the other side is let's if we're living in reality, going back to the acceptance piece, you're in a good league. Like you're in, in the league you're supposed to be, and you're not actually I know you're telling yourself that you know the Olympics or the NHL is is you. You're not there right now, and you're in a pretty good league. So mistakes are gonna happen. I love that that line. I also love the prioritizing results like it's so true i i i always say uh, and i'm going to add this in actually the prioritizing results versus the way i would describe it as objectives you know you, you know who who do you want to be it's like mm. there's there's this there's this idea that when we make it a more broad mission you know when you show up to the game it's like i need to go score three goals i need to go score two goals like i the way that I watch Austin Matthews buzz around the ice, you know, you look at his first NHL game, scores four goals. Do we really think he was sitting in the locker room saying, I better score four tonight? Tonight's my night, first NHL game. I'm 18 years old, 19 years old. Four goals have to. And I'm just hyper-focusing on those results. Or was he just out wheeling around and saying, I'm going to have the most damn fun I can. I'm going to be the most dangerous guy when the puck's on my stick tonight. Mm. That, that, it's it's fascinating. People will say, oh, yeah, it's mumbo-jumbo. Okay, well, what about when you trip and fall and you don't have to think consciously for an absolute, not even for a millisecond, your hands come out and stop you automatically. You, you didn't even think of that for, you haven't thought of that for years, yet it happens. So there is this, this concept to your point where it's like the results are so cognitive, they're, they're, they're rugged, they're robotic, they're slow. But if you kind of like to your point, this greater mission, oh, all of a sudden, everything's falling into place. All of a sudden, that seam, you know, that cross ice pass or that extra second of patience at the blue line, all of a sudden it's there. And it's like, wait a second. And I'm not focusing on the results of, you know, I better toe drag this D man or I better do this, that. And then now all of a sudden, your mind is a little more quiet, a little more available to react, read, react, et cetera. And I just, I think that, that you put that, that so well of if I don't do that and I just go into the results further. I'm going to mess up again, likely, because I'm prioritizing something different than the mission. I'm right. Yeah. I, yeah. 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 And a good way to go a little deeper on that. And I like how you like, I always like to bring up top players. 
and even just within your own league or your own team. So like sometimes players, I remember I had a, a junior guy and he was like, he's like, I gotta be perfect. I can't be turned. I'm like, watch, watch the game, man. Like people are just turning pucks over left, right, and center. Like you think you're the only one that turned the puck over that period. Like, at, like the, all the best players are like in your league. And so he started noticing and he's like, Oh, everyone's everyone's turning over like so like and then so then he's like oh i don't have to be so worried about when i turn it over go like what um i use this stat a lot i don't know how it's uh might be a year old now but ovechkin's scoring percentage on shot attempts shot attempts not shots on goal i think is eight percent so that means 92 percent of his shot attempts don't go in (laughs) like so I think it's I think it's like shots on goal scoring percentage is like twelve or something like that. But it's so that like because like shots are getting blocked or def- so his shot attempts like he has an eight percent success rate. That's a ninety two percent failure rate. <laughs> like best goal scorer of all time, pretty much. Like a, like you know awesome. Like they turn the puck over. Watch Mitch Marner, beautiful, great player, turns the puck over. Like <laughs> like it's like and and I'm not encouraging people to play like Mitch Marner if you're not Mitch Marner. I don't encourage D to play like Cal McCarr if you're not Cal McCarr. But go play your game. Like go play your game and and understand that mistakes are going to be part of that and um and then goes tie this into the maximizing impact. I use this. I love this little you know simple dichotomy where do you want to be the player that makes only one mistake in the game, but you had three plays? Okay, you're a plus two, you know three to one ratio. Or would you rather be the player that yeah maybe goes up to two three mistakes? Okay, and hopefully not pizzas up the middle, right? But there are mistakes like, yeah, turnover, like didn't quite, play didn't quite work out because, you know, but you were trying. But then how many plays do you make now? Nine, 10, same ratio. You're a plus seven impact. You're creating more opportunities. You're you're having an impact on the game. So it's like, but in order to be that player and optimize your impact, to be the Matthews, like you got to screw up to some degree. Like, again, not pizza up the middle, screw up. And, and think of it, I do this with D a lot because it's a good example, like walking the line where they're like i'm like if you go play in full attack mode and you try to make things happen how often like and you have that mindset sometimes you're like no nah, i'm not even gonna try it because it's just not there like just keep it deep and then sometimes you do it and it's about to do it and it's working but then it doesn't quite work out so then you dish it off anyways and you like just throw it in so it's still not like a breakaway turnover and then sometimes you're doing it and you're like yeah and it works out and then you go through but every time you had the mindset to attack and to trust yourself and all your capabilities and a lot of D aren't there and same with forwards and same with goalies and playing the puck or challenging or whatever, you know, and then all the sports or, or high performers and anything. And the, the point being is that mental state, it actually, actually doesn't really increase like, Oh yeah. Well, Kyle McCarr gives out three breakaways a game. Like, no, that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> like, but like how many right. times does he do something and then it's not quite working. He's just like, you know, and then it's just a good player met play. But every time he's trying to maximize his impact, especially in the ozone, when the goal is to create goals, like the goal in the intent in the ozone for hockey players is not to just manage the puck, like unless you're up two goals and it's a minute left. But like right. it's, you're trying to score, like you're trying to create a grade A chance and maximize your impact and and make excellent touches. And you can't do that if you're like, well, but I want to play a bit safe here. Like I, I can't turn it over. Oh, playing the 75, it's, like, you know, you're not in full maximized impact. Well, I want to have a good impact, but I can't screw up. I gotta be like, you're not gonna Like you're holding yourself back. So with that mentality, so we want to make that full switch to maximize. And like, and again, don't play like Cal McCarr. You're not Cal McCarr, but you can play your full capabilities and own and know who you are. And so, 
it's like I, I must have that conversation a lot. So, <laughs> well, it's it's yeah. you, I, I I can see why because yeah. the way you are just articulated that it's like I now it's becoming more and more and more clear that 10, 20 percent how unbelievably important it is because one thing so people like to feel good they like to feel like they're having success it's like yeah. oh it's, tell me how i can have success because i want to have it essentially right that's like very normal and i know i'm really dubbing this down yeah, i like it but, though. Yeah. but the way I, the reason i'm saying that is you talk about you know be kale mccarr don't be kale mccarr but when, yeah. when that identity what do i have to do how can i have success when you make that abundantly clear mm. that is so important because it's going to raise the chances of that person getting the feedback that feels yeah. good which is success yeah. like yeah hey am i him in the offensive zone most people aren't like yeah. there's a few guys that can play that kind of way yeah. in the game so you use a very peculiar example uh but that to make that clear which is the 10 20 yeah. percent is is i think it's so important. I know, I know this becomes a little bit, you know, whether it's social, political, et cetera. Well, no, I want to be Kel McCarr. I want to be, you know, Austin Matthews. I want to be. Yeah. And so it comes back to this, you know, tip of the mountain NHL while I'm 14, while I'm 21, yeah. I'm not quite there yeah. living in this fantasy place that as you alluded to is healthy, but you have to, you know, yeah. in moderation. Cause yeah. I think that is so if you, and then you, because when you when you can define that, I think, and clarify that identity piece, you can find that you can find appreciation and love and 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 acceptance and and love where where who you are as a player. It's like, hey, I'm six four. I don't I don't move as I I'm not obviously. I'm just saying hypothetically. You yeah. know, yeah, I know you're like, wait a second, no, you're not. Um, you know, but in someone else's shoes, let's say. Um, I'm six four. I'm two twenty, two thirty. I don't move as well as Kale. I don't move as well as as Marner. Am I going? Am I going to try and live out an identity that isn't real? Now create a feedback loop that it doesn't feel very good because I'm trying to do something that doesn't fit in my game or my physical abilities. Mm -hmm. And now it's it's going to make things harder and more things are things are going to be difficult as opposed to in having that ten twenty conversation thing to have success here in this environment, this domain, no different than medicine. It's like, okay, you can try to go to neuroscience, freaking competitive. And here's, mm -hmm. here's what you're gonna have to do. And here's the skills you should already have five years ago, which you don't have today. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, anesthesia, uh, family, uh, other options as well. It's like, you could absolutely crush it here, make more impact. And that feedback is now going to be stronger. So I know this conversation does get into this. You can be anything you want, do whatever you want. I don't want to go there for the sake of the message I'm trying to yeah. trying to share here, but it's yeah. if you can help people clarify what is my so for 60 minutes I'm going to play 15 of those 60 probably so it's not that much time. What's that? What's what are those clear clear objectives? What are those goals? Yeah, yeah. You're, it's so much more tangible now. I know exactly what I need to do, and I actually remember Spotter always saying that, uh, you know, and and I had a bit of the but wait a second when I was in minor hockey I was the quarterback and I would wheel yeah. around and do what I wanted toe drags this toe drags that it's like ah yeah. and then the feedback loop sucked yeah. yeah right because I because I thought wait a second I can be Ryan Murphy who's 16 years old and gets four points a game is yeah. an absolute one of the best players I ever played with yeah. and it's like hey maybe I'm not that maybe that's not yeah. where I can yeah. create a feedback loop that makes me love this game more and be yeah. and then even increase my value but I'll I'll stop yeah. there I know I went off on a bit of a tangent there no it's great it was one thing I was going to add to 
And it's a good way to kind of, you know, round out that area of discussion. Cause it's like the, you use the word objectives. I call it the personal scorecard, right? It's like, what is, how do you defining success and define success within your control, like in who you want to be particular, not just what you want to do, but how you want to play. Right. Cause again, I'll use the walk in the line example. It's not, Oh, I made a bunch of backdoor passes and this like, yeah, that's helpful. But you know, one game you might get a couple apples and you made some nice plays, but half the time you're walking the line a little tentatively. And then the next game you get no points or one point and not as many plays, but every time you had that, you were in attack mode. Like to me, that's a more successful game. And you do that long-term, you're going to be better off anyways. And wow. Wow. Um, right. So it's I love like, that. Yeah. And that's what like the word objectives or scorecard or definition of success. Like that's what we're talking about. It's an internal one, not the external, not the end results. And not just even the process and how many excellent touches or plays made, et cetera, which is kind of a good feedback loop, which is good to look at. But in the short term, it's not always there, right? Like just like a, a team could win a game, but not play well or um, lose a game, but played well. Like it's, it's about how you played, how you showed up, how you conducted yourself, who you were being is the true definition of success. And um, so, yeah, I just think that's such a practical way. And we talk about practical ways to untangle it, but then keep it untangled. Like, cause that's the other problem. Like, you get untangled and I get tangled right back up again. Um, that scorecard, you know, to me is, is a very good way because then it keeps them reflecting on it. I literally, like you score yourself after every game, every practice, even like, it's like, who are you being who you want to be? And, um, and then that helps fight off the, what I call the allure of results. Like, I want you to fight that off. I want you to not be upset oh, go check your stats after oh my no don't do that no no checking stats online no upset like that's just gonna suck you into this mindset which is generally not sustainable and and um gonna lead to long-term success anyways so we gotta fight that off and know what else you can obsess about obsess about this which is like you said then it creates feedback loops and um the love of the game and one of the things that might be worth and you know as we wrap up around um what's so interesting to me about high performance sport hockey in particular for our worlds, you know, and, and experiences is everyone's trying to go to the next levels. We're not all going to make it. And the, and the challenges that so many athletes are experiencing is, and, and I've, I, you said this before, so I'll throw it to you in a second, just, you know, to parlay it back. But one of the ways I interpret it was like, and I was having some good discussions after our last, it's just like, you know, we're all getting caught up in this, like, oh, well, it's got to be me and this and that. And like, we're losing sight of why we love the game in the first place. And and I use that all the time. And, you know, I, I use this uh, flower bed story, but it's just like, we got to stay connected to the why we play versus the goals and the intent. And we, if we, as soon as you confuse that and you think why you play is the external goals, like it's going to cause all kinds of problems. That's the allure of results again. And it's just so funny when you look, it's like the system is just so flawed and just torments junior hockey, the like major, like just so many players are getting, because it's just like, they're all coming crashing. It's like minor hockey, minor hockey, minor hockey, bam, converge into junior hockey when they're trying to still develop. They're not pros yet. There's just like the teams are getting harder to make. They're jumbling around uh, the way coaches operate. Like the system is just so you know, hard on players. Like it's the culture that they're in. And then, and then they lose sight of the love of the game and they don't have the capability, you know, mentally to know how to untangle that and get reconnected to the love of the game. So it's just causing all kinds of stress and frustration for so many players in these 
you know, 13, but really 14, 15, 17, 18 year old years, it's just a mess. And um, <laughs> in, in a lot of ways. And so like the, a lot of the solution comes back to untangle it. Why, why are you playing in the first place? What do you love about the game? Get connected to that. Have a personal scorecard that keeps you connected to that. So um, I know you've got cool things to say around that too, but I, 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 our conversation previously was a good spark for me on that. You know, I, I kind of known that and I'd speak about that all the time. I use that flower bed story, which I can share. Mm -hmm. I, I think I told you before, but um, yeah, I love, I love to throw it back to you on that. Cause I know that was something I, I enjoyed from our, one of our previous conversations. Yeah. I, I was, I, and I, I just like you, you know, you sit and you, you try and look at what is the, as a, what at first may look like a square. And then you, you have a conversation with someone else or you, you challenge yourself to try and see it another way. And it's like, you realize it's a cube and now it like unlocks this <laughs> ability to see things a different way, which is awesome. And I, and I think so much that just happens naturally from having conversation with, with a brain that isn't yours. Right. Cause we're just yeah. full of bias. So it's like, just literally table something with someone else, even a player. It doesn't have to be a professional. Just like table it and you realize, oh, I thought that was a square for 14 years. I realize it's a cube and I don't have to just look at it the one way. And so yeah. that's, I'm, as a caveat, that's what's kind of happened with me and, and, and what we're talking about now. And, uh, you know, I think a way that I've I've started to, I actually learned this from a client, 15-year-old client, and is doing, started off the year in a very different position than he's in now. And he's, he's really growing into his own right at the right time and everything's great. And I, I kind of said, you seem like the same guy that was like this, the, you weren't even an underdog. You were just kind of in the pack. You were just doing what everyone else was doing. And now you're rising up. And I was like, how are you staying so present? Cause I was, I was thinking, wait, you're buzzing along. Let's connect when you feel we need to connect. Like we don't have to chat. Like let's not talk if you're buzzing and things are going well mm -hmm. uh, for in this specific situation. And I said, but I'm curious, like, how are you staying so rooted and, and grounded and humble and calm and like not worried about this scout's coming to watch me and this school's coming to watch me? And, it, you know, what the why we play thing. Th this is another an another option. Another view is is he said, I'm a student of the game. He's like, I'm not in the NHL yet. So why do I feel that I need to live up to some expectation? And then I did some work on that. I said, OK, what are the variables involved in being a student? And let's actually go back to when we were in school or we do show up to something. I don't even care if it's a first aid course or math class or science or gym. Um, you know, what is your approach when you show up to that? Well, my approach is to is to be open to learning. On average, we don't show up and say um, we don't show up and say I need to get it. I need to learn 10 things today. I need to learn them fast. I need to learn them well. It's like I'm just showing up. And I'm gonna I'm gonna learn as much as I can, and I'm gonna figure this thing out. I'm gonna have some fun along the way. That's how we show up to class, for sure. So yeah, I mean, at, at, in conclusion, you know, so you show up to whatever class it is, and and your your approach is open. It's discovery. It's not your to your point. Results, results, results. You don't show up to class that way, and and that's where you find the love, like being a student, learning something new. It's an now now every every class not. That everyone loves school and academia, but you know, follow me on the on the analogy is that it's an adventure. It's exciting. You could even use the same thing about camp. You know, we have some ideas of what we want to do at camp. Hey, I want to catch some crayfish. I want to you know canoe around. I want to have a fire, whatever. But it's not. I need to do these ten things at camp this week. If I don't do them, it wasn't even worth going. It's like I'm going on an adventure. I'm going to discover this young fifteen year old just growing and blooming. 
but he's kept the same approach. It's not, oh, which, which you see, I'm sure, with many athletes. Oh, I'm pretty good at this. Oh, now everyone expects high performance out of me. He hasn't gone there. And now now shift. he hasn't shifted to this failure avoidance. I have to continue to be a first-round pick, blah, 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 that get in our head results-driven. Like, why, why should I have that? I'm a student. Like everyone else, I'm showing up. I'm going to discover what I'm capable of. And I thought, that is awesome. That's how you, I'm assuming, you keep the love and... And I think I was so, if I look at my journey through minor hockey specifically, I was so ignorant. I, I got there because I was ignorant to, I didn't, we didn't know what the OHL was. I had an agent. We're like, why the heck, my parents and I are like, why the heck do we need an agent? Like, what's that for? Like, don't you just kind of perform and things work out? And so it was like the ignorance allowed me to do that in minor hockey, even in minor midget, like had a lot of fun. I think did did decent because of that. The thing that helped was I just didn't even know. So I didn't need the tactics to, to, to uh, remove some of that. It yeah. was more just, I had no idea, uh, but I loved that idea. It's just like, why not show up to the rink thirsty and excited that it's an adventure? Like it's not, it's not practice and results. And like, I even see that now in, in these poor young athletes, like if I would have showed up to practice needing to perform, like I remember when I had days like that in junior, it was like the love and excitement for this game. Not that it was completely gone, but it definitely wasn't as high as it could be when you're showing up Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, holding your sticks, like, like, geez, why didn't I just approach it as, as what I'm talking about now? Like, oh, it's an adventure today. It's, it's practice. Yeah, but it's an adventure. Go discover, go do. Anyways, that I, I love the way this, this young client taught me that. And I just wanted to share because I think it ties into why do we play? Well, because it's freaking fun. You're skating on ice, or you're passing the ball around or you're shooting hoops or you're dancing, boxing, whatever. It's like you fell in love with this. How do we find that love? Because what you know as well as I do, and this is the, the philosophical side of this conversation I love, is if you got your heart on your sleeve and you're in it because you love the adventure, now it's like now you can actually be all in. And mm -hmm. I find if there's fear of failure there, I haven't articulated this perfectly yet, and it's something I'm working on, is like that's not all in. Mm -hmm. if, it's, if it's I'm in if I do well, I'm in if I if I don't turn the puck over. I'm in if I score five goals or three goals. That's not all in, mm. right? And and I haven't, it's, and I maybe you know I haven't totally connected that yet to. But I've had the conversation with clients, and it's and it's opened up you know brilliant conversations. Um, but I don't. That's not all in. It really isn't. And it's like how mm -hmm. can I actually be all in? And I think it comes from, uh, personally, I think it comes from that that what you're talking about that love for things because because love would. The, the love for something, you know, you think about a relationship with someone, which, which we usually consider love about relationship. Well, I don't just love my fiance on days when, when she's not making any mistakes or she's perfectly happy and blah, blah, blah. It's like, mm. no, actually, in fact, the, the, the things that aren't perfect are reasons that I love her as well. And it's like the, the times I do turn the puck over, things aren't going my way. It's like, yeah. well, this is an adventure anyways. So yeah. that love can kind of be rise above the fact that things aren't going well. And yeah. I know that's that's you know poetic kind of language, but I just we see that. Look at you bring up Ovechkin yeah. as an example. I don't know him. I've never talked to him, yeah. but just look at his body language, his swagger, his. And I have this hunch that he's out there. Every game's an adventure. I'm gonna yeah. go take probably 15 one timers on the power play tonight. <laughs> Hopefully one of those pops in. But damn, it's gonna be fun, and I'm gonna enjoy it. And he's had fun, his celebrations, all that stuff. Like, yeah. we we we've removed enjoyment from performance. We we've yeah. we've kind of created this narrative that you can't have fun 
and and be a high performer. And I think it's so sad because if we brought in a neuroscientist, I wouldn't do a good job of this. But if we brought in someone in the field, a neuroscientist, they I'm I'm 99% sure they would be able to very clearly explain how yeah. being a place where you're having fun is going to increase your ability to perform. And I won't butcher that because it's not my expertise, but I've done yeah. enough work on it to know that it's true. Oh, 100%. And that's what I like to call is, um because maybe you're not smiling on the outside, but you're smiling on the inside. And that's uh, a good narrative people can click with. And yeah, I love, I love the all in and a couple things, you know, uh, like in the open and the discovery and the all in and a key to being all in. And one of the ways is like, well, what does all in look like? Well, one of the ones I like, and you talk about the untangling is you kill the undertone. It's like, hey, I know I got to go and trust myself and do these actions, but there's this undertone of like, ah, oh, uh, like doubt, what, like, nah, I got to like no undertone. I'm jumping all in. I use as well. I love like being on the dock at a cottage and like there's the water and some people just jump in. But other people are like, oh, dip in, they get in, they get out. They're not all in. They're not, they haven't accepted the water might be cold and just committed to enjoying being in the water. Like, what are you doing? Just jump in the water. Like, and I use that analogy. Something like you're having a hard time jumping in. I'll come push you in metaphorically. I'll push you in the water if you need me. And that's our job is to help them untangle and, and clear, make that jump. And so they've untangled it and now they take the action. And so, and, th and that's, again, it's like all in at being <clears throat> your object objectives or a personal scorecard and think about like what helps activate that is those intrinsic drivers or your why or your love of the game. And so like that, that's the source in a lot of ways and intrinsic drivers, <clears throat> my research and Todd talks about this as well, Todd Herman, um, things like growth is an intrinsic driver. We all inherently want to grow and learn things, right? Like people are naturally curious. Some people lose touch of that in school, which is, I highly encourage any athlete talking, listening to this is like, apply it there. Like, why do you go to school? It isn't to get grades. That's the goal, external goal. Why is to learn and grow things. And we naturally want to learn and grow. And if you're going to go to math class or English class or science class, you might as well learn. Why would you show up and like, now I don't want to learn today. Like, I just want to grade. Like, like, if you're going to be there, make the most out of it. Because if you could do it there, it'll be easier to do it when other areas that you think matter more, right? And so you're just training your brain to operate in a way of high performance and a way of curiosity and open and learning and growth. And again, which is an intrinsic driver. Also, and, and a big part of that is challenges. We actually like challenges. It's boring if you just dominate all the time, won every game, 10 nothing. Improvement, like people don't want that. Like you, we want challenges because the challenges help us grow. And, <laughs> and another way to look at it is the experience. So it's, um, I use painting or an artist a lot as a good example. You get into a creative field. Why do they create art? Well, a poser, I use this example, a poser creates art because they just want to make money. And therefore the art is subpar. And guess what? They don't make as much money. <laughs> Whereas a true artist, why do they create art? They love the self-expression, the process, creating masterpieces. They're like money, who, like, and that's why a lot of artists might be poor. They become rich well later because they're just so, they just love the art. And then therefore they create what? Great art. Sometimes it sucks. It's a process, right? But it like, um, and then what happens that if they know how to sell and do those other things, they become actually really rich and they get the results. It's the same thing. Those That's an intrinsic driver. It's the experience, the expression. So growth challenge, inch, um, experience, connection is the other big one, especially in team sports. But even in individual sports, you can connect to nature and golf. You can 
connect to your caddy or, or other people on your team, connecting to um, and, and team sports, your teammates, coaches, family, like there's a bonding thing. That's an intrinsic driver. We have this um, inherent drive to want to connect. And so those are some examples. And what I really like, and I'll finish off with in this category is my favorite thing is getting a player to create the story. We call it an origin story from Todd's work and the alter ego, but it's instead of, Oh, here's the reasons why I love the game. Now here's a story that evokes that feeling because I don't need the reasons. I don't need a list because a list comes vague and not that helpful, but a story evokes the feeling. Oh, when I was six, I was playing on this team and that like, and then in that story, there's challenge and growth, connection, experience, creation, like a masterpiece or creating art, like almost like oh, tic-tac-toe and I was just flowing out there. Like it's a feeling of intrinsic driver and they get connected to that. And we want them to get connected to that every day. And uh, that's just so powerful when someone does that, because again, it unlocks. And then inside of that, it unlocks their ability to stay focused on that personal scorecard. They become all in on that and the love of the game and their process. And they're like, things flow from there. So yeah, it's, it's such an important thing, but unfortunately the way the system sets up, it's like, people are just losing touch of that. And if they could just stay there, not everyone's going to make it, but they can at least enjoy and know they put it all out there. They kept their tools sharp that they had and the work they put in. I'll give one last funny uh, nuance thing around it. Like obviously I have a lot of athletes that climb the ranks and do get to the next levels. That's great. Like that's the end goal. Like I want them to have a great mindset so that their tools help them sharpen. But sometimes I've had some that, you know, maybe fall short, right? Cause they're, they don't have enough. They're maybe not strong enough, fast enough, the skill, and they don't always get to the end result. But my, but what's unique about that. And I remember one of my first ones was a swimmer where she fell short of like making the national team and stuff. And she was like kind of a long shot to get in, but we want to work on it because, but she was falling out of love with swimming. And um, we worked for about six months and then didn't quite make the goal. And like, again, we was long, like she had to get faster and actually work on swimming, but her mindset around swimming was like a lot of tangled. So we untangled it and she was like, and then she called me after and she didn't make it. I was like, Oh, do that. <laughs> like, but she's like, I'm okay. I'm fine. I love oh. swimming more than ever. Like I get it. I can, I'm, I'm moving forward. She's with the one swimming university, like just a grit. And I was like, Oh, that feels good. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like, Cause like, I can't make someone do all the extra training and have the tools and stuff. My job is just to untangle it and I'll help them use the tools they got. And so sometimes you're just going to fall short of the intended goal and result. And that's just part of your own impersonal journey. It's not inherently bad. But when we build that up as some bad thing, now you're more fearful of it. Now you're less likely to enjoy it. Now you're actually less likely to get it anyways. So, you know, I'll say that and I'll preface, I've lots of people that do get the goals and intent and come win in their sports or get to yeah. next levels and contracts. But because the because the, they have the tools and they sharpen it and unlocks. But like, I think that's such a, I don't know, beautiful is maybe a bit strong of a word or weird, weird, but like, to me, it's a very meaningful thing. And I tell that with like our team and our coaches is like, they're not always going to get the results, but like, if they're enjoying the journey and they love who they are and they built life skills and th like that matters, like that me that's worth a lot. Like, and, and that's an impact um, on the culture and people and the snow, the, the snowball effect from there. So. I, <laughs> yeah. I love that. And you say, you know, I, I don't know if beautiful is the word. There's two points here. I, I use those words purposely. Yeah. Because yeah. to your point, like, and you, you bring in such an important piece here on this, you say tic-tac-toe, this art piece and why we play and the, 
that the feeling associated with with why you know being lucky enough to play this game or whatever that sport is or whatever job it is and and I do use that language. I try to use poetic language. Yeah. I say it's beautiful. It is yeah. an art. You you oh, yeah. and you it's like when you can talk about it at that at that level and I tell clients that I'll say hey I talk about things at this level. Sometimes it's poetic. Sometimes it's you know philosophical. But I and I'll say here's why, because mm. think about this conversation. Even it's like we talk so many different things, and the, at the end of it, if you come all the way around to something simple, it's kind of like how how simple sayings today, you know, time heals, stuff like that. Well, there's a, there's days and days of of psychological, phys- philosophical conversations you can have that'll bring you all the way back to that same point. Mm-hmm. So I love that you're like. You know, you step over the lines a two on one or you're you're taking the two on one and you're a demon. It's like this beautiful kiff. I move over two inches here. My sticks here. And yeah. That's how our subconscious is perceiving the situation anyway. So why not yeah. have the conversation that yeah. way? Um, but then yeah, I'm going to bring it back to to society. And, and maybe I shouldn't do this, but I'm going to anyways. You know, you think about you say the system and it's so results driven and the funnel gets smaller and smaller. And and, and that often leads people to become more results driven. Uh, now you look at the world today and you see burnout, you see exhaustion, you see lack of engagement, you see withdrawal from from living fully, et cetera. And I'm not, I'm not, you know, you don't even have to, you could look anywhere for that research that supports that. Um, and then you compare that to sport. And it's like, wait a second, are we seeing something similar here? Are we seeing very results driven? I show up, I send these emails, I have no idea where it's going. I don't see the whole process. I'm not fully engaged. And now I turn to results and then I turn, turn to willpower and forcing and exhaustion. And my, the word I hate the most, the grind, the grind, the grind, <laughs> like so disconnected, so exhausted, stress, you, you know, trying to perform through a stress system in the body and cortisol is through the roof, not mm-hmm. through the roof. But obviously we need that to perform, but it's through the roof and it's a different approach. I loved your analogy with the, the artist and I, I, I'm not experienced in the space, but I've heard that it's very similar with comedians. The best mm-hmm. comedians in the world love so much about what they're doing. It's like they want to make themselves laugh up there. Oh, there's 20,000 people here. Great. They can listen too. And that helps me continue to do this so I don't have to get a normal job. Awesome. Mm-hmm. But to your point, it's like it comes from a place of authentic engagement with that with that story or with that narrative that they're living um, that reduces that burnout. I'll, 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 I apologize to go a, another quick point here. It was Jerry, someone a best buddy of mine sent me a link and, and I believe it was Jerry Seinfeld being interviewed by, was it maybe you shared this too on LinkedIn? I'm not sure, but Jerry Seinfeld was, was in a conversation with one of the famous radio hosts. I forget his yeah. name. Um, and, and the radio host is, you know, as we always do, Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan, listing the best of the best, Michael Phelps, et cetera. Yeah. And, and he was saying, you know, they just have this, you know, unbelievable ability to push and grind and, and, and it was Jerry Seinfeld that said, I'm going to stop you right there. He said, you're missing something. He said, you're missing the fact that these individuals had such a deep rooted love. And he described it as it was a love for what they did and their craft. And to, to this conversation, their art yeah. that they were, that they, that they are lucky enough to interact with, that there was this endless, endless pool of energy and optimism and, 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 resilience if you will to just keep yeah. going and keep discovering and keep creating and yeah. i thought that is it's unfortunate to me and in, in again like i said i try to take a bit of a different approach here to me it's unfortunate that we don't talk about it that way enough yes we have to talk about all the other stuff 
but why can't we talk about it a little bit poetically, a little bit yeah. you know, beautiful and art oh, and God. love and right. And I, 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 I like to talk about it that way. And I love that, that Jerry Seinfeld made a point of that. And I think he, because he alluded to the same thing in comedy. It's like, mm -hmm. you don't get to be Jerry Seinfeld if you don't love the heck out of what you're doing. Right. So I'll stop there in, in that, in that idea. Yeah. And just to wrap up, I, I think I'd heard too, like he's still writing, like, I don't know, it was an hour and two hours a day, writes jokes, like thinks about jokes. Like he's still doing like, like he does not need to be doing that anymore, but like, he just loves doing it. Like he loves the work. Right. So right. it's, yeah. And the, like the word grind can be helpful in some ways and be gritty in those things, but it can have some negative connotations that could just activate a mindset that's not going to be healthy and optimal and optimally perform either and create all this, you know, problems. So man, we could chat all day. Mm. Uh, I, I appreciate it. We're definitely going to do some more of this. Um, thank you so much yes. for the conversation and, uh, and we'll, we'll, I think we'll wrap it up here. So thank you so much.